I am Caleb Pollard. I am the recreation intern at the Green Acres North Campus. I started in January, so uh, pretty new still to it. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to uh, work alongside the Green Acres staff, uh, Buddy and Kyle and Tom up there. Tom, I'm sure y'all know Tom works at the Rock. Very thankful for the opportunity just to just to work with them and just to learn about all this. Um, I'm from Mesquite, Texas, down the road a little ways, a couple hours. Um, I was raised. Um, homeschooled by my mom, and I was me and my two siblings. I'm sorry, three siblings. I don't know how I forgot that. My three siblings, we were homeschooled through my whole life. Um, after that, let me slow down. Go a little too fast. I was raised in a Christian home, but it wasn't until I was about 16 years old until I, until I met the Lord. I started my life. It was at Falls Creek in Oklahoma, a church camp. That's where I met Dustin. Um, John Randalls, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of John Randalls, but he spoke that week, and it just... He spoke to me like I've never heard the gospel before, and um, it was awesome. The Lord convicted me, and I started my life that week. Like I said, that's where I met Dustin. So after we got back, our, my family was looking for a church, so we started going to Terrell First Baptist, which was his church. Um, once we got there, Dustin just started pouring into me. A little bit later, uh, I asked him to mentor me, and we started meeting at McDonald's once a week, and uh, he taught me the word. He just poured wisdom and knowledge into me, and uh, so thankful for that time. Um, I was his disciple. And uh, he did such a, such a great job of doing it. Just teach me the word, teach me how to know, how to know the Lord more, teach me how to uh, study the word for myself. So thankful for Dustin. Um, he is one of the most godly men I've ever met. I know y'all can attest to that, but uh, he has poured so much into me. I, I, I am extremely certain I would not be here right now if it went for Dustin. We're putting him in my life. Very, very thankful for him. Um, after that, I went to JUCO, went to junior college for a couple of years, and then transferred to Mississippi College. It's not Ole Miss, it's not Mississippi State, it's right in the middle of Mississippi College, small Christian school. I got my Christian studies degree and a minor in business, so kind of two opposites there. Um, and right now in my life, I'm trying to figure out what the Lord's doing with me. So uh, kind of just going through, it, through every possible door, trying to figure out what the Lord's calling me to. I think it might be ministry, but I don't know what, what type of ministry, so trying to figure that out vocational, recreation ministry, or maybe even the business ministry. Going into the business, ministering to the people there. So trying to figure that out, to figure that out right now. Um, I'm very impatient, but the Lord stopped me so much in the process. So, um, so that's where I'm at right now. So enough about me. We're going to talk about courage tonight, men of courage. So before I get started on everything, does anybody have any examples of courage? Anything they've seen on TV, watched on a movie, uh, partaken in themselves? Uh, witnessed, anybody have anything? Maybe something they remember sticks out to them? If not, it's okay. You know, Caleb, this, I, I know you, you don't know everything about um, the things that have transpired in the life of uh, my life and myself and our family. But uh, our son Alex um, was killed October the first in Iraq, um, hit by an IED. Um, he is my ultimate example of courage. Um, from the time he was four years old, he wanted to be a soldier, and. When he went into the Army, um, he went through his basic at Fort Leonard Wood 
went through ranger assessment because uh, he was six foot five, about 200 pounds. He was a big man. Um, they wanted him to, uh, to go through ranger assessment. Uh, he made it to the last cut of ranger assessment. They told him he'd come back in a year. And they transferred him to uh, Fort Polk. And um, he was driving big, huge trucks, uh, transport trucks. Um, and he made a decision to transfer units so he could deploy. Because the unit that he was in was considered undeployable. And so he made that decision to transfer units to go into the 10th mountain so he could deploy. And um, so in September, uh, he deployed. Um, and then after he went on like three or four missions, um, the next mission he went on, on uh, that Sunday night, October the 1st, we had two uniformed officers that came to the house and said, he's been killed. He was just deployed a month. He knew what the possibilities were. He sat down with, with his mom and I and told us, you know, when he deployed, this could happen. His master sergeant told him to go through everything that could possibly take place. And so he sat down knowing that death was a real possibility. But he wanted to be in the midst of the battle. He believed in what the country was fighting for. And he was tired of the atrocities that were going on with ISIS. And he said, I want to be there. That, to me, is an example of courage. That's a perfect example. Thank you, thank you for sharing that, Rusty. That's, wow. You know, it's, it's hard to find 20-year-old kids, much less 20-year-old, I, I think he was a man, 20-year-old mm -hmm. men who think like that. Yeah, I mean, his, his mind was, there's a purpose for why our country's doing what we're doing, and I want to be in the midst of it. You know, that to me is the ultimate example. Absolutely. And that's what I think about every day. When I, when I think about everything else that's going on, I think about that young man who gave his life. Gosh, perfect example. Goodness. Oh, man. Thank you for sharing that, Rusty. He's got a strong wife, too, oh. to bear up with that. They tell him another part of it. You just, they just, she just lost a nephew, what, about two mm -hmm. weeks prior to that? Well, it was actually less than two weeks prior to that, our, our nephew committed suicide. And in fact, the nephew, that he, he was going through all kinds of emotional struggles, having problems, and, and Alex, our son, who was killed, Alex was the only one that he would really talk to. Um, and... 
after Alex deployed, uh, he was supposed to go to school at Robert E. Lee one morning and his stepdad followed him out and then his stepdad went one way, he went the other and he circled back around and he went back to the house and he shot himself, killed himself. That was a week and a half. We had just dealt with his funeral, burying him, and then and then Alex was killed. Just take some strong people with a strong marriage and a big faith in God to get through that. Absolutely, I can't imagine. I'm gonna tell you, I can't imagine. My, what God has done in our family is absolutely incredible. If you want to see the power of God, all you have to do is watch our family. And I'm not saying anything about my life. What I'm saying is watch God work in our family. Because if this had happened a few months, well, actually before my wife and I were, before we joined the South Campus, before we really got involved and God began to work through us here, if that kind of thing had happened in our lives then, I, you know, Robin and I talk about it all the time. We should have to think what, what would have happened. But God knew what he was doing when he planted us here. In the midst of faithful people, two of them right here, but in the midst of faithful people, you know, it just... That's the reason he planted us here, because he knew what was about to happen. And he got us here. This this little church stands behind its members. It's more of a family than any place I've ever been. Yeah. And I will second that. <laughs> I mean, I can't. Yeah, here's two Californians. We, we took in, and that is love, both of them, especially <laughs> Sheridan. <laughs> I mean, how can you care much for this rascal? She's so nice, and she's had these just awful problems with her shoulders, and she had the neck and a brace. But about the time she got it with that, she had that, and then, like Bob said, it caused a clot. She had a little stroke. Now she's got to go do this thing again. You know, she's scared to death. I'm scared to death. But I know the Lord's going to take care of her. And your wife's going to be there. Everything you see is a is an example of courage. And, and I mean, apart from God, it wouldn't be that, but because of God, it is. God is good. Yes, He is. All the time. All the time. God is good. <clears throat> so, there's lots of examples uh, in the Bible of courage. Lots of, lots of guys standing up for the Lord called them, and the Lord and them answering the call. There's lots of examples, but uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna share a few. Um, the main, not main, but the ones we've all heard of. Just the the basic examples, and we're really gonna focus on Joshua tonight. So, background of Joshua: He was Moses's assistant. Moses's assistant. Um, he followed Moses everywhere. Before Moses died, he was he was a shadow. Um, he saw him. He saw him in the midst of. The good, the bad, he saw he saw leadership. So he was basically grooming Joshua to be the next leader. So Joshua, uh, whenever Moses died, Joshua was there to take his spot. Um, but for Joshua, it wasn't an easy task at all. 
uh, as soon as Moses died, after the mourning process, God's like, let's get to work. And it wasn't easy. It's not, it wasn't one of those um, leaderships where you just sit on the throne and you command people to do stuff. It was, it was tough. God told Joshua to fight. So let's, let's look at this task real quick. Let's see, let's see what the Lord was telling Joshua to do right here. So it says um, in Joshua 1, 1 through 5, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all the people, into the land I am giving them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I had promised to Moses. For the, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you in all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So God's telling Joshua to do something that needed to be done for a long time. Take the land. Take the promised land. But it wasn't going to be easy. They had to fight. So, like I said, Joshua wasn't stepping into an easy leadership. He wasn't stepping into an easy position at all. He was stepping into a position that had, that uh, forced him to do something very uncomfortable. Something that forced him to have courage. If and I'm going to tell a story real quick before I go back to that. But um, there was two, in the Civil War, there was two uh, Union generals, uh, Union commanders. You got George McClellan and U- Ulysses S. Grant. Um, George McClellan, tall, dark, and handsome, um, finished second in his class in West Point. He was the best of the best on paper. He was the best of the best. Um, he could out-strategize, out-lead, out-everything. He was the best of the best. And he, I mean, he looked good. I mean, people loved him. Everybody loved him. And then you have Ulysses S. Grant. So at the beginning, Abraham Lincoln appointed George McClellan to be the commander. Um, but, like I said, he was, he was the best at everything, best at leading. There was only one thing he wasn't good at. It was fighting. He, he, he threw out every excuse in the book not to fight, not to do his job, not to do what needed to be done. So Abraham Lincoln's like, you're out of here. I'm going to put Ulysses, Ulysses S. Grant. So Ulysses S. Grant is exactly the opposite of George McClellan. Nobody liked him. Scruffy little guy. Soft-spoken, wasn't a good leader. Nobody really liked him. Always had a cigar in his mouth. He's kind of one of those rough guys. He actually got thrown out of the army once because he had a drinking problem because he was drinking alcohol. He was just one of those guys that you can't see in this position. But Abraham Lincoln's like, I'm going to put him in that position because he knows how to do one thing and one one thing very well. He knows how to fight. So after one year of Ulysses S. Grant in the position, Robert E. Lee surrendered to Appomattox. So the point of saying that is which I'll come back to this as well. But George McClellan, you would look at him and say, he is the answer to all our problems. He's the answer to all the world's problems. But he couldn't do one thing. He was a scaredy cat. He didn't do what needed to be done, which was fight. So he put somebody who, the exact opposite, somebody who you never thought would be the commander and do a good job. He put him in there. He did the job. He did it well. And they won the war. So moving on. I'll come back to that a little bit. And sorry if I look at my notes. I'm still trying to... Kind of like the days, we got somebody sort of like that now. Yeah, he does. He does. He knew one word. So going back to Joshua's task. <laughs> Go back to Joshua's task. Take what was theirs and take it by force. So God had had a long time ago given them this land. But if we remember sending Joshua and the spies, the 12 spies, to the land, they're like, whoa, these guys are way too big. 
There's way too many of them. We're way too scared. We can't do this. So they don't do it, and they spend 40 years in the desert. Um, there's a lot more backstory to that. But Moses is dead. Joshua is in the place, is in the position. Let's do, our, let's do, let's, let's do what needs to be done for a long time. So uh, has anyone ever been in a fight in your whole life? I know, I know you have, but I want to hear some, I want to hear some good stories. Uh, has anyone ever been in a fight? And if you have, was it kind of in the moment or was it premeditated? So I won't tell anybody. I won't, I won't tell Dustin, but has anybody in the fight, like been in a good fight, like a fist fight or a, any kind of fight? Nothing? Just in the moment. In the moment? Yeah. In the moment. There was no premeditated, I'm going go, to go here, I'm going to fight this guy, I'm going to beat him because it needs to be done. Nothing like that? No, in fact, what I'm thinking about was when I was in elementary school and I had a bully that constantly was on me. And uh, so the way they settled it then is uh, the principal took us out, got all the kids to circle up, and he and I went at it. <laughs> That's great. Wow. <laughs> that's when you were in reform school. <laughs> yeah, right. It probably worked too, did it? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, I had, it worked all right. I had a similar situation. I, I think I was in like the seventh grade, and they used to recess next to other school, right next to, I guess, the high school, whatever. And we'd play softball and stuff at recess. So a bunch of the other kids, and we had this one kid, he must have failed like four times or something. But he was <laughs> whisper, you know. I mean, he was a lot older and everything, so right. he was matching the bully. But my team would beat his team really every day. So he'd get, he, he'd get mad, he'd take the ball and throw it across the highway. You know? I, so one day, the last day I told him, I said, that is tough. I said, next time you do that, you know, that's it. Well, sure enough, it happened. He threw it across the highway. I just went, So those are, those are a little bit different, obviously, from uh, Joshua. But uh, just think in your head for a second, the fear that Joshua, the, the, the thoughts that had to be going through Joshua's head. These people in this land of Canaan were, they were massive, for one, but there was a lot of them, too. So you got, I'm not going to say you have such a, a very strong fighting Israelite people right now. But, I mean, you got some people that can fight. But the Canaan, I mean, the people in Canaan, they're just, just the thing in your head of, having to go to fight these guys, just the fear that would have to have come upon him, and just anxiety, and just so much fear, oh, that's kind of a point there, but, um, but there was, there was a, uh, the key to Joshua's success in the fighting, in the future fighting, was this, we'll, and we'll go to the second half of Joshua 1, Joshua 1, 5 through 9, it says, be strong and courageous, 
for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So be strong and courageous. That's kind of the key phrase of tonight. But what does that? What does that mean? Um, what does it mean to be strong and courageous for Joshua? Being strong and courageous was not kind of some kind of self-confident swagger that Joshua. You know, I'm just strong and courageous. It was. Something more than that. It was trusting in God's promises more than the, than the situation, more than the environment, more than all the reasons that said do not. He trusted that the Lord um, knew what he was doing. Encouragement, faith-filled action. Faith-filled action in the face of fear. Fa- courage is faith-filled action in the face of fear. Um, so my first point here is God never calls us to do anything apart from him. Whatever he calls you to do, no matter how frightening, no matter how much courage it takes, no matter how crazy it is, he will not leave you. He will not forsake you, just as he said to Joshua. He's always with you. If God has called you, if God has called you, he is with you. So he's called us to all of that stuff, which I'll get into here in a second. Um, but do you think God will leave Joshua high and dry? No. Um, courage doesn't mean I'm not afraid. It just means I fear God more than I fear my environment. Another example uh, we have of courage is one of the most obvious is David and Goliath. So David, little shepherd boy, you know, 16 years old, um, he does what needs to be done. He fights. Uh, just think about how much, I mean, there's, I know there's, he was very confident in what he did, but I know there's some fear there. Uh, but he knew that God was with him. He knew without a shadow of a doubt God was with him. And he did it, and Goliath fell because God was with him. And whatever we do, if God is with us, we will succeed, just as he said to Joshua. Another example is Gideon. Um, I don't know if y'all remember that story. I love that story, Gideon. But he had a huge army. I forgot how many. It was a lot. He shaved it down. God kept shaving it down, shaving it down, until he got to 300 guys. 300 guys, his army of 300, was going up against an army of 120,000 people, which is mind-blowing in my head. And if y'all remember the story, God's like, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. But I am asking you to go down there with lanterns and trumpets and defeat him with this. So there's already fear having 300 guys, but having 300 guys without any swords and just having trumpets and lanterns, it's kind of crazy. But the cow was with them, and if y'all remember the story, easily defeated them. They got out of there running. Um, another, another, a uh, little more recent, not super recent, but 1940 Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a uh, huge story behind Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but um, kind of a small part. He was in America, he got free, he was in America, he was safe and sound comfortable in America, but he decided to go back to Germany where his people were. And because the German church kept um, encouraging the Nazis, they're like, yeah, you're doing what's right. He said, no, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to tell them what I believe, which is the truth, which you're not doing what's right. You're not, you're not um, doing what the Lord would have you do. And he went over there and fought. And in the end, Hitler's men killed him. Um, and we all know, I'm sure he knew what the circumstances would be what the outcome would be when he went over there. But um, he did it anyways because of the courage he had and because he knew God was with him. Uh, we also see in Psalms 23, uh, David, 
talking about kind of giving an illustration of a, of a sheep and a shepherd. Um, it says, Psalms 23, 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and staff, they comfort me. So as, as a shepherd leads the sheep through valleys, I mean, you have wild animals on both sides just waiting to get at them. But you have the shepherd who, you have the sheep that trust in the shepherd. No matter where they go, the shepherd will protect them. Um, so in that, that's not, that's not more of courage. It's more of God is with us wherever we go. And he's our shepherd. And no matter where we go, no matter what situation, no matter how treacherous, how crazy it is, God is always with us. Um, another verse in Romans 8.31, um, if God is for us, then who could be against us? Uh, this kind of just reiterates all of that. If God is for us, then what situation, what opposition can even compare to God? Um, that just gives me so much courage just even talking about it, just even saying that verse. Uh, and lastly, another example is Stephen, which I love that story as well. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was out there doing work. He was out there doing kingdom work. And uh, every time the Pharisees, the scribes came up against him, trying to debate him, trying to you know talk him down, the scripture says he always he always came back and uh, he was filled with the Spirit and always came back with words that were too much for them, like they just they couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't fight it. So then after that, they falsely accused him of blasphemy, brought him against brought him up against the council, and that big old section of scripture where Stephen's speech, he just reminds me of scripture. The truth is, and they're mad. They got real mad, gnashing the teeth, and they cast him out, and they stoned him. But before they stoned him, he looked up and saw Jesus at the right hand of God. Even though Stephen knew what was going to happen, I'm sure, before he got to the council, but he was bold, and he had courage, and he did what needed to be done, which was remind him of Scripture, remind him of truth. And he got killed for it, but he knew, he knew, uh, what, he had to, what, he knew what had to be done, and he did it through the Holy Spirit. So that brings me to my second point. God has called us to be strong and courageous as well. So what does God call us to do? And in what ways is he commanding us to take, uh, sorry, in what ways is he commanding us to be strong and courageous? Uh, we see one of those in Luke 9.23. Um, he's commanded us to take up our cross. So, uh, let me, uh, sorry, Luke 9.23 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So what does it mean to take up our cross? I know probably most of you have heard uh, John Piper, and uh, this is a little snippet of what he says about that. Um, he says, what would signify to take up your cross? He says at least four things. Opposition, shame, suffering, and death. Therefore, when Jesus said that the way to follow him was to take up your cross, he meant to at least this, be willing to be opposed, to be shamed, to suffer, and to die all for your allegiance to him or to go to the heart of the matter to take up your cross meant to treasure Jesus more than we treasure human approval honor comfort and life our suffering is not a tribute to Jesus unless we endure it because we cherish Jesus taking up our cross means Jesus has become more precious to us than approval honor comfort and life if we choose to follow Jesus it will cost us something and we have to be willing to sacrifice whatever is getting in the way another difficult uh thing Jesus tells us to do is share his gospel. I don't know why it's so difficult uh, for us as believers, for me specifically, to share the gospel. Uh, I use every excuse in the book. You know, it's, it's awkward, it's, it's uncomfortable, it's this or that. I use every excuse in the book, I don't do it. But the Lord clearly commands us in his scripture to share the gospel. Uh, in uh, Matthew 28, we've got the Great Commission. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And again, um, we're reminded here of the rest of the verse, we're not alone. Even in the New Testament, not just in the Old Testament, the God's not with them, but also in the New Testament. And the rest says, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. We are all commanded as Christians to share the gospel, to further the kingdom. The only point, in my opinion, the only point in life is to know him and make him known. If we're not furthering the kingdom, we're wasting our life. Um, and there's lots of ways to further the kingdom, lots of ways. But I kind of want to focus on sharing the gospel in this little segment. So, uh, so sharing the gospel. Um, I t- for me, I tend to lead more toward they'll know that I'm a Christian by the way I talk and by the way I conduct myself, and which is good because the Lord tells us to be like him. But the Lord also tells us to make disciples, which requires us to open our mouth, so, which is the hard part. <laughs> so... Uh, but thankfully, we don't have to do it alone. Just as Joshua, just as David, just as Gideon, just as Paul, we don't have to do it alone because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have a helper. And actually, Jesus says that we'll do greater things than he did. In um, John fourteen twelve, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. The greater works than he, greater works than these, he will do because I go to the Father. This brings me to my last point. I'm going this, through this kind of fast. But this is my last point. So everything God has called us to requires courage. So I want to challenge you all this week. I'm not done yet, but I want to challenge you all this week before I go to my, my next little thing is to ask yourselves, in what ways can I be strong and courageous? In what ways is the Lord calling me to be uncomfortable? What ways is he calling me to be more courageous and more strong in the faith? Um, you know, one way this could be is having conversations with non-believers. So it could be family members, could be coworkers, could be strangers, could be anybody who does not know the Lord, to sit down, get to know them before you just go at it. Get to know them and share the gospel, which I know y'all have done so many times. Um, when I became a Christian, oh, I'm sorry, another thing it could be, the Lord could be calling us to do is uh, to cut out stuff in our life that is hindering our relationship with the Lord. So for me, when I became a Christian, there was a host of things that I had to cut out that it was a barrier. It was me and Christ and a barrier, and I wanted to just to just go through the barrier, have the barrier, but have Jesus, but can't have both. So the Lord, which is part of sanctification, the Lord said he'd get rid of that and that and that. So maybe we just need to examine our lives and see if there's something in our life that is hindering us from fully being satisfied in Christ. Um, it could be also making hard life decisions, so that, that could be whatever. But the Lord is calling, all, calling us all to be strong and courageous. We just have to figure out what, what he's calling us to. But if, he, if, if the Lord has called you, he's with you. So that's something to take to heart, something that's very encouraging, something that gives you peace and comfort as we, as we become strong and courageous. Um, one lie Satan tells me uh, every single day is I can't be used, is I'm, I'm worthless, which I'm pretty trash, but because of what you see on the cross, I'm made perfect. But one lie he tells me is that I can't be used. So our one job in life is to know him and make him known. And Satan's biggest lie in life is to say you can't know him better and you can't make him known because you're not able, you're not worthy, you're not, uh, you just, you don't have the abilities. You know, for me, it's for so long, I'm an introvert, which just means I like, you know, being more to myself. I don't like talking. I don't like, you know, being in front of a crowd, stuff like this. I just naturally don't gravitate towards. So Satan, every, every morning, he's like, you can't be used because you don't like to talk. So just, just be okay with that. Be okay with 
how you were made with your personality of you don't like to talk, so just don't talk. You're okay with that, so you can't be used in that way. It could be anything for y'all. For me, that's mostly what he says to me, um, which really attacks my confidence in the Lord. But remember this. this is, I love this quote. I might have, yeah, might have got a little behind. But I love this, uh, this little thing right here. It says, God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. So he doesn't call. You don't, you don't go through seminary and be like, all right, I've made it. I'm going to go out there and further the kingdom. The Lord is called. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, the Lord has called you. He equips the called. He does the job. He, he, does the, he does the dirty work. He equips you. It's nothing you can do. I mean, you, you do pursue him but, and learn about him, but he's the one that, that works through you. It's not us. It's the Holy Spirit working through us. So, to recap, I know that went by really quick, but to recap, God never calls us to do anything apart from him. Um, he is always, he's always with us and helps us as we act courageously um, to further his kingdom. We have been commanded to take up our crosses and share his good news. And lastly, everything God has called us to requires courage. We need to analyze our lives and ask the Lord, how, ask the Lord to show us opportunities he has given us to share. I want to leave you all with a quote. I thought that was pretty good. It says, don't ask for tasks equal to your powers. Ask for powers equal to your tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, let's be courageous. And y'all are all courageous men. I'm not telling y'all anything y'all don't know, but I want to encourage y'all with this and just remind y'all of truth, that the Holy Spirit is with us, that he does help us in times of trouble. He does help us in whatever situation the Lord's calling you to, be good or bad. He's with you the whole way. So let me uh, pray.